A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings, And now, with their Pink Bonus Series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the Pink Bonus Series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to ladies who punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello and welcome to Ladies Who Punt, the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. I'm Fiona Blair and I'm joined by my co-host, well-known form analyst, Grace Ramage. Hello, Grace. How have you been and how has your week been? Hello, Fee, and hello, everybody listening to another episode of Ladies Who Punt. Yep, week has been good. Um, Hating the fact that we're rolling very much so into winter and this cold snap that's going to be hitting us in the next few days. I'm I'm not a fan of that. But she's wet. I can't complain because I was in Noosa last week. So I'm definitely not going to complain anymore. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm definitely feeling the winter. The kids are like sick every fortnight. Mm -hmm. It's a nightmare. So shout out to all the parents who are coming into winter and there's just bugs everywhere. It's a tough time of year, but we'll certainly get through. And Grace, Ladies Who Punt has also had a really good week because last Friday we launched our newsletter and managed to get over 100 subscribers in our first week. How good's that? Yeah, amazing. And thank you so much to everybody who did subscribe to our newsletter. Um, And if you haven't yet, you most certainly still can do that. And also, Fee, we need to let everybody know to check their spam folders. If you did actually subscribe but haven't yet received the newsletter, it might just be lurking in the background in your junk. Yeah, that's right. And um, we'll leave a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to sign up today. Again, check your spam folder on Friday if it doesn't hit your inbox by around 11 a.m. And for those who haven't seen, the newsletter is just a way for us to share extra content with you all. It's completely free. We do a deep dive every week into a topic of racing. We have extra tips, form indicators, as well as um, some off-the-track recommendations of what Grace and myself are watching or reading or listening to, and a fashion spotlight. And the fashion section is really cool. All we need you to do is send in a photo of an outfit you've worn to the races with all of the details, like where you bought the dress, what jewellery you're wearing, who made your shoes, things like that, and you could feature in the newsletter. And the exciting thing about this is that everyone who enters, even if you don't make it to the newsletter, you go into the drawer to win one of four handbags from Bag Queen Karen, who has kindly come on board to help us with our newsletter. 
Um, so we will be drawing names for the months of August, September, October, November. So everyone who sends in an outfit to be put into the newsletter has a chance of winning one of those four handbags. So that's really cool. And if you haven't yet, check out Bag Queen Karen on Instagram. She's got some lovely pieces. And there's also a section in our newsletter, which I absolutely love, Fee, and it's something that we... I'm really passionate about sort of building is the community black book whereby we encourage all of our listeners to let us know when they've got a horse that is running, whether it's their own share or a family member's share or just a horse that they love to follow. Um, and that connection that you have with the horse, let us know when the horse is running because we want to let everybody else come in and share the joy with you. If you've got a horse running in a race on Saturday, let everyone know so we can all tune into that race. Or if we catch it on, on the TV, when it's running we can cheer the horse on i think that that is an amazing part and certainly an area that our community will love because we're all about supporting women in racing and to be able to enjoy other people's moments and you know follow their journey i think is um, something that really inspires me so definitely check out the community black book in every weekly newsletter yeah it's a really great feature and it's certainly made watching the races so much more fun to me and more personal because I'm like oh there's not a horse that I personally know in this race but here's you know Mal's horse who's part of ladies who punt and it's running in this race so let's cheer at home it's it makes that that racing experience just that much more enriching which is awesome Okay, Grace, so moving on to today's episode, we will be moving our focus up to Queensland for Stradbroke Day at Eagle Farm. Nine races on the card and all at black type level. So this is an absolutely phenomenal day of racing up there. Two Group 1 feature races up at Eagle Farm in Queensland this Saturday are the Stradbroke Handicap and also the JJ Atkins. Now, the JJ Atkins is the final of the Group 1s for the two-year-olds and the Stradbroke Handicap is, without a doubt, Queensland's most premier race. It is the big race that everybody wants to win up in Queensland. It's got an amazing prize money attached to it of $3 million for the first time this year, I believe. So uh, plenty at stake and a lot of horses that have been targeted throughout their whole campaigns to be winning the Stradbroke. And that's where we're going to start, Fee. Yeah, so let's get stuck into the Stradbroke first. Grace, it's been a little while since we have done a form preview on the show and an even longer time since we've done one at Eagle Farm. So just to jog our memories, can you give us a quick overview of the track at Eagle Farm? What's its shape? Um, what kind of horses are favoured there? And what kind of surface will, will we be running on on Saturday? Well, because Brisbane is a long way away from Victoria, it will probably be sunny with a top of 23 degrees. <laughs> But I was actually lucky enough to be at Eagle Farm two Saturdays ago for the Kingsford Smith meeting. Uh, I went up there for the first time ever. I had never been racing in Brisbane before. And I was so impressed with the whole setup at Eagle Farm. Like if you are considering going on Saturday, whether you're local or, you know, um, even in the future, if you want to make a weekend of it, the track itself is amazing. Like every horse generally gets its chance. So um, think of the other main Brisbane metro track being Doombin as more like the Mooney Valley. So more tight turning, more favoring leaders and on pace horses that can kick away that shorter straight and be hard to be caught. Uh, Eagle Farm is definitely more of an equivalent to Flemington or Randwick where it's got a longer straight, bigger sweeping bends, 
horses don't need to hold a position early to have a chance. They can pretty much win from anywhere. So Eagle Farm's a beautiful track itself, but also just the facilities and the mounting yard. So pretty, like huge, big trees in it. Actually reminds me a lot of Ellerslie Fee, which is oh. back from your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I would. I just love the experience at Eagle Farm. So no doubt we're going to be on a relatively good racing surface. The track at the moment is rated a soft five, but um, the weather's fine for the day. So I think it's safe to say that every horse will get their chance in the Stradbroke Handicap, which they'll certainly want to be. It's a horse. It's a field of 18 to go around and we've got a full field for the feature. Yeah, very exciting to see the running of that. And I remember you mentioning to me, Grace, um, earlier this week that the Stradbroke's quite an important uh, race on the whole calendar and one we need to pay attention to sort of leading into the spring. Why is that? So the Stradbroke Handicap, well, it's Queensland's best race for sure, no doubt about it. The prestige, the history, um, it's the race you want to win up in Queensland and there'll be plenty of local trainers vying to take or keep their trophy uh, in their hometown. But in terms of what we can expect out of the Stradbroke is it's a high quality handicap race. So again, we're talking about those handicap conditions where every horse is weighted uh, relative to their rating points. So um, it's quite fair. You know, there's, there's a horse in the race we're going to talk about shortly with 49 and a half kilograms on his back. And then we've got old Rothfire, who's a group one winner with 57 kilos. But what that means in any handicap is that there's an even spread of chances throughout. But what I think is most important with the Stradbroke is that given that it's run in winter up in Brisbane, a lot of these horses that are contesting the Stradbroke on Saturday and have done in previous editions can then have a little short break up in Queensland with the sun on their back through the winter months, come back down for the spring carnival and be really successful. It's a a path that's happened on a number of different occasions where you see horses campaigning up in, in winter in Brisbane, come back and win good races because they're just for whatever reason, um, thriving under that sort of system and that process. I think that given the caliber of horses that are running in the Stradbroke this year and in previous years, it's a fantastic indicator for feature Group 1 races throughout the rest or throughout the Spring Carnival uh, when we get into the nuts and bolts of that, you know, come September and October. Yeah, I'm just thinking of Alligator Blood last year who won the Stradbroke, his first win for a while, from memory and then mm-hmm. he had a, a pretty dominant spring um last year so it certainly worked for him and I mean it makes sense doesn't it having a, a short sort of winter vacay up there you'd probably keep a little bit of your fitness <clears throat> on side um compared to the horses that have the longer spell and yeah just nicer conditions warmer weather coming down mm-hmm. in in fantastic order and if you go back and look at some of the prior winners of the race there's no doubt that the Stradbroke Handicap is a good horses race because I'm just looking in the last couple of years, Alligator Blood won, multiple Group 1 winner. Tafani won the prior year, mm. like five-time Group 1 winning mare, mm. wait for age. Um, Santa Anna Lane, who was a world's best sprinter, I think, at one stage in 2018, he won the, the Stradbroke Handicap. Impending, who's now a stallion, won. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of horses here that suggest that it's not just a handicap group one it is a proper horses race and hopefully we see you know a dominant performance by a winner and then we can mark them for upcoming group one races 
Yeah, and I have put together some of my fun facts for the Stradbroke Grace, and it made Excellent. a pretty interesting reading. So, firstly, winning form isn't essential for the Stradbroke. Only seven winners from 1991 have won their lead-up race, so that's an interesting one. Barriers also don't seem to be important because the most successful barrier is shared by three barriers, number three, number 12, and number 18. They have all had four winners each since 1983, so we don't have to be too concerned about wide draws, which is which is really cool. Now, in terms of the market, this one, you'll like, Grace. So from the last 23 starts, 15 winners have started at a price of $11 or higher. So we can go for some value today, which is is exciting. A little bit scary, but exciting. (laughs) And (laughs) I just feel like this race breaks a lot of rules when it comes to form indicators. What do you think? It definitely does. I suppose, though, when I think about the fact that it is under handicap conditions and we've got that yeah. big weight spread and we've got a horse like Hawaii Five O, who's the three-year-old with 49 and a half kilos on his back, we don't even know how good he is yet. You know, mm-hmm. he could come out and dominate this field and then go on to win plenty more races. And I, I think that that's sort of why um, those form indicators might make sense because it could be a race where you've got a horse that's um, – you know, not necessarily showing the world that he is the best in the race, but will do so on Saturday and go on to achieve bigger and better things in the future. Yeah, horses on the up that still have yep. a low weight. That's, yep. That could That's be it. it. Yeah, right. So when I sat down to do the form, Grace, I was making a lot of like, hmm, and lots of thinking noises and like, oh, how do I, what do I make of this? And I was really enjoying it going, oh, this is a very complex puzzle. And I have got like, five or six horses that I'm leaning towards but I'm mm-hmm. hoping our discussion right now you might be able to sort of like push me in in a direction just just you know sharing ideas so what's your thought of the field like do you is there a clear winner for you or a bit a bit murky in there uh definitely murky very very murky the mud is, the, the waters are muddy there's no doubt about that <laughs> But I want to know, Fee, you tell me the horses that you're interested in and let's talk about them. You go with the one that you sort of think is your number one on on top selection at the moment. Oh, tricky. Tricky, tricky. I think the horse whose run I was most impressed by leading up was Converge. Um, I just really liked how he was hitting the line and that was, you know, he he was pretty held up down the straight in the Mm -hmm. Kingsford Smith. Um, So I don't think he had the best shot at them in that race. And he was making ground on Think About It in the last sort of 50 to 100 metres. So I thought that was really, I thought that was a really good sign and certainly a sign to that he would be fine across the distance. I am interested in Hawaii 5.0. I think the weight swing for this horse is good. Is that the right terminology, Grace? Yes, that is absolutely spot on. Because <laughs> he is getting 7.5 kilos off his back from last start, which is massive. It's such a big, um, you know, he's, he's not even going to know himself going around with 49 and a half on his back. So he was one I was looking at. I also think if Gentleman Roy turns up with his best effort, you know, sort of CF4 sort of performance, he could certainly win from barrier two. I think his last start was just, you know, a complete forget from the wide barrier. Um, he's also getting weight relief, four and a half kilos. So I think he's right up there. But 
you can't knock the favourite, can you? Think about it. Like, you really can't. He's getting five kilos weight relief. His barrier should be okay. And the distance and track conditions suit him. So what do you think, Grace? Is there one that you that you uh, I, could push me into? or? <laughs> well, I like a lot of the ones that you're talking about, to be honest. And let's start with the favourite, think about it, because he is into $3.10 as we're speaking. He is a four-year-old gelding by So You Think who's had nine starts, and he has won eight of them. He just wow. keeps winning. So we actually don't necessarily know how good he is yet. He has had quite a few starts this preparation. He won the last he won last start in the Group 1 Kingsford Smith Cup. Uh, that was his first Group 1 contest. He's been beautifully placed, this horse, by trainer Joseph Pride to just keep going through the grades. Got his Group 1 last start. Um, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking at some stage, he's going to put in an end of prep run, which is simply mm. a run where the horse is quite flat, you know, uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically runs below your expectations. And it's a signal of the horse wanting to have a break, go out to the paddock and reset. So I'm in my back of my mind, I'm thinking how many more runs is he going to put in at his absolute best? But the thing about him is that we just don't know how good he is yet. Like we might not have yeah. seen his best yet. So yeah. The other thing about the other thing about think about it, which is uh, really hard to say, is last start he won the Group One Kingsford Smith, carrying fifty nine kilos at weight for age. So what that means when you're racing under weight for age is that there's not a great deal of weight spread. You're basically racing, um, you know, as per your age and, you know, older horses all carry the same weight. Mares get their allowance, three-year-olds get their allowance, but it's a much tighter weight spread. Uh, what it also means is that rating points aren't taken into consideration. Now think about it, after winning that weight for age race, comes back to a handicap, but his rating wasn't taken into consideration for this race. So they still think he's just a group three winner and he's got 54 kilos on his back. So he drops five kilos after beating most of this field last start. It is an incredible scenario and extreme placement from the stable to know that all of these little intricate details of the way that races and the conditions of which they are run under, um, unbelievable to have this never happens you rarely have a horse win a group one that then drops five kilos on a handicap condition so well done to the team there he's in the race in tip-top order no doubt about it the other one that has the really interesting weight grace is hawaii 5-0 so his rating he's a three-year-old colt trained by gay waterhouse and adrian bott his rating's 101 but he's only got 49 and a half kilos can you just quickly explain why that is to us the reason that while he is a 101 rater, which, you know, he technically should be carrying more if it was purely based on rating points alone because um, he's quite up there, uh, is because three-year-olds will still get an allowance under the handicap conditions. So he's a three-year-old mm. colt, so he gets less weight, just the same as fillies and mares will always get their two-kilo allowance. It's the same for three-year-olds. So he is really well-placed with 59 with 49 and a half kilos we've seen it plenty of times in the past these three-year-olds coming into the into the races like when brutal won uh the Doncaster I think he carried 49 kilos as a three-year-old colt so it's definitely something that um trainers are, are looking to do if they can have a horse that's good enough because they're obviously gonna have a massive advantage with no weight on their back do you think this like low weight is the reason he's second favorite he's sitting at six dollars at the moment <clears throat> at the moment he's sort of come in and out a bit 
is it the the weight or the weight combined with his ability I think it's a bit of both. I think he's very, very good. He's very progressive. He's only had the seven starts and he's won three of them, placed another three times. He was a last start winner at Eagle Farm in the Fred Best, which is restricted to three-year-olds. So this will be the first time that he's sort of out of his own age group in a long time. And I think it's probably a fact that he brings some really different form. Again, we just don't know where his ceiling is. We don't know how good he is. He might relish this step up in grade and show that he can definitely mix it with the best. I think he draws a perfect barrier in barrier three because he's a horse that can settle just behind the speed, probably sit off the fence, uh, just need to find a gap or two and let rip late. 1,400 meters, no problem. So a lot of fa- there's a lot of ticks when it comes to Hawaii 5.0. There are a couple of horses in this race, Fee, which is sort of opposite to Hawaii 5.0 and think about it, where I keep saying we don't know how good they are. There are a couple of horses here that we actually do know how good they are. Um, We've seen them at their best in the past, and their recent performances make me think they might not be the winner of this race. I could be totally Mm -hmm. wrong, but on their most recent runs, I think Royal Merchant, who is a last start Goodwood winner, uh, a Group 1 race over 1,200 metres at at Morfittville handicap conditions again she carried 52 and a half there now she carries the exact same weight 52 and a half here under the same handicap conditions uh, I think she might have been the best that we're going to see her last start I'm not sure mm-hmm. that she can go any better and I think she might need to be better to beat what is a superior field here and the other one is and oh, he's probably going to prove me wrong Rothfire who yeah. is a great horse is already a group one winner um and he's so brave. He likes to settle on speed, but barrier 23 is not a great draw for him, considering he goes forward. He's going to have to do plenty of work all early. And to be honest, considering he sat on speed last start, they didn't go very hard. In that Kingsford Smith Cup that, think about it, one and Converge ran second, Rothfire ran third. I think the others probably have his measure going into this race as well. So Converge is the other one you mentioned. I'm definitely on board with you there. Great run last start, uh, gap between runs for him. So he's essentially second up now of a freshen. Set play, mm-hmm. I think. Barry 17, goes forward, hard fit. He'll be hard to run down. So Converge and the other one that I like in the race fee, a little bit different, is a horse by the name of Cardinal Gem. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I we agree. love Cardinal Gem. We love him. We love the fact <laughs> that he's only he's, – he's just been going through his racing, this preparation – slowly and steadily is not you know causing anybody to write home about him he's just doing his work but i feel like this is a grand final and last start he ran three weeks ago so he's having three weeks between runs he ran third to another horse in the race called surf dancer in this uh but he was literally posted like five and six deep the whole race Mm -hmm. and his last 200 meters he was even coming again like he lost ground around the bend and then he sort of really rallied late And that was his first run up in Brisbane after traveling up from Victoria because he's trained by Graham Begg. So I just, I know this horse has got plenty of ability. I think we're going to see it on Saturday. Barry six, absolutely perfect, 54 kilos. And he's a big price. So I feel like he actually gets a lot of our form indicators going. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I definitely felt like he needed, you know, like the the last race he was in, the... um, the Brisbane Racing Club sprint that was a mm-hmm. 1350 and I feel like if he had the extra 50 meters that we have this weekend he would have um he would have got ahead of 
surf dancer. Like he was closing the margin, just running home enormous late, as you said, with his time. So I'm really excited to see him out. I think, yeah, the conditions suit him with his barrier. Um, and it seems like his ideal trip too. So, yeah, so at $17 at the moment, Grace, that's incredible value. And you're right, ticks the box in terms of not a last start winner, above $11, you know, he's he's certainly looking good. So between him and Converge, I think those were the two from watching the replays. They were the ones that were like sort of going, yep, next start. Yes, definitely. They're probably the two that I'm most keen on. There's another filly in the race called Ruthless Dame, another three-year-old filly. Again, a last start group one winner in South Australia. She won the Sangster. Not sure we've seen her best yet, to be honest. She, mm. I think she's pretty good. She's right. Well, having said that, she's raced in plenty of top, top races, plenty of group ones. But I think she's got what it takes to mix it with this group. I'm interested to see what she does uh, ruthless Dame, but definitely the two that I'm most keen to play and have a little bet on is Cardinal Gem and Converge in the Stradbroke. So let's get stuck in now to the second group one of the day. It's the JJ Atkins, a group one for two-year-olds over 1,600 metres and the last of the group ones for the two-year-olds this racing season. So uh, a big one, one that is targeted by many trainers trying to get that group one uh, two-year-old status which is incredibly valuable to colts and fillies in terms of their breeding careers later on so I'm not going to be doing any form indicators for this one Grace I'm going to be saving those fun facts for the newsletter so if you want to know the form indicators for this race make sure you subscribe to the newsletter as we said we'll have the link in the show notes now, Grace, for this race, you've actually lined up a special guest for us to chat to. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about who we will be having a quick chat to today? Well, I started looking at the JJ Atkins race, and while my initial thoughts were, wow, this is quite a lottery, massive field of two-year-olds, who knows what's going to happen. As I was going down the field, I was like, holy moly, the Newgate Farm China Horse Club partnership, which is the red colors with the yellow stars... They are just absolute powerhouses when it comes to producing two-year-old colts in these big feature group one two-year-old races. And we thought it would be a really good chance to catch up with Leanna Packard, who is the marketing manager and racing coordinator at Newgate Farm, to tell us a little bit more about the dominance of these horses that we keep seeing going so well in these colors, especially when it comes to the two-year-old races. And to learn a little bit more about what she does at Newgate and also, I suppose, in the grand scheme of things, what is the team and the partnership that race these horses trying to achieve? So in this Saturday's JJ Atkins Stakes, 1600 metre group one for the two-year-olds, they have got three runners, Make a Call, Snapback and Tannhauser. Let's welcome in Leanna for our catch up now. Well, Leanna, thank you so much for joining us on Ladies Who Punt. And I think it's a great chance to get to know you a little bit better, but also ask you a lot of questions around these famous silks that we keep seeing pop up in all of these prestigious two-year-old races and not just limited to the two-year-old racing grades, of course. But Fee and I have been doing a lot of form, Leanna, and we just keep seeing these red silks with 
the yellow stars popping up in all the feature two-year-old races that we are previewing at the moment. So thank you for coming on board to talk to us a little bit about what you do at Newgate and also um, these horses and, and I suppose more about the company itself. Firstly, Leanna, tell us a little bit about yourself, if that's okay. What is your background and, and what is your role at Newgate? Sure. Um, my pleasure. Um, so I am the marketing manager and racing coordinator at Newgate, which encompasses quite a few things. Um, really, it's pretty varied, which is great. No two days are the same. Um, but I'm really lucky to be involved in all of the racehorses and then obviously all of the marketing from sales to stallions. So um, it's never dull. It's pretty good. That sounds like an amazing role, Leanna. What would be, I suppose, one of your favorite times of the year? Is it, um, you know, sales season or is it big feature racing like throughout the spring racing carnival for example tough question because they're both really good no i it's it's hard to choose one specific time of the year that's a favorite i think yearling sale season is always exciting just because we're trying to produce not produce but select hopefully the next crop of stars um, for our racing stable but that being said i think I mean, the big carnivals are always a great time, whether it's spring or autumn. Um, hopefully seeing everybody's hard work come to fruition and getting some good results is also pretty amazing. So it's pretty pretty tough to choose. Liana, you work at Newgate Farm, which is one of the biggest and most successful stud operations in you know, Australia, perhaps you know, internationally. And one of your roles is as a racing coordinator. And I found that quite an interesting title because in racing stables, we have racing managers. What is your role as a racing coordinator and how many horses do you have out racing that you take care of? Um, it's, a, it's a good question. It's kind of a different different terminology, I guess. Um, Henry Field manages our colts um, and most of the horses that we have in training. And then I help him basically manage all the horses so all of their movements I help do all of the client communications and updates triple checking all of the nominations and acceptances kind of making sure silks are correct and hospitality's in place if we have big groups of owners going so it's kind of like a racing manager but also also kind of incorporates marketing and hospitality and client relations um, in a nutshell in terms of horses, we've got, it's kind of varied in terms of shares that we have, but we have 26 uh, yearling colts this year. We had about 32-year-olds, give or take, 30, 32. Um, we're down to just a handful of three-year-old colts left. Um, and then we've got shares in various horses as well. Busy, a busy job then, taking care of all of them and the owners. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's good. We're, we're very fortunate to have a good, a really good ownership group and a great partnership that it it doesn't really feel like work most days which is great. Leanna that sounds like an amazing job but specifically what we want to talk to you a little bit about if it's okay is um, this Saturday we see in the JJ Atkins which is a group one up in Queensland massive race day Stradbroke day the biggest race day up in um, in Queensland we see a handful of those really famous silks that we've come to become quite accustomed to and you know, when I do the form and when I look at look back at what we have seen over the last few months, these horses have absolutely dominated, and especially in the two-year-old ranks. What we want to ask you a little bit more about is what are these colors? Can you tell us, you know, when we see the red and the yellow stars, what does that mean? Who who are 
these horses are owned by. And I suppose tell us a little bit about why we're seeing so many of these well-bred colts going around in these Group 1 races. Sure. Um, I guess I suppose the easiest way is to just kind of uh, talk about our partnership in general, um, which kind of explains the silks. Um, we started buying yearling colts uh, in partnership with China Horse Club in 2015. Um, we'd never really done that before. It was just getting harder and harder to buy Group One winning colts here in Australia, so Slipper winners, Blue Diamond winners, um, Golden Rose winners, what have you. It just was getting very expensive, and so we decided to try to source them earlier on and produce them ourselves um, to hopefully feed into then our stallion business at Newgate. Um, so we started in 2015 per buying horses with China Horse Club, um, and part of the parameters was that we use China's main body of silks which is the red silks with the yellow stars um and that's kind of just where it all started those silks china horse club uses around the world so in europe america some people may be familiar justify on the triple crown in those colors um and then to distinguish because china horse club also purchases horses on on their own whether it be fillies some colts so distinguish like the newgate china horse club partnership horses from China's other runners, we decided to put a Newgate cap on the horses. So any of our partnership horses will be wearing either a red cap with a white Newgate logo or a white cap with a red logo or a yellow cap. Um, again, just to distinguish kind of ours from China's. And it's really interesting, Liana, because you say that um, you're looking to buy these horses earlier on because it's too hard to buy them, you know, as three-year-olds. Ultimately, what you're talking about is to be able to produce your own stallions because at the moment I think Newgate has 14 stallions. Yep. Is that right? Um, and, you know, I, I'm just looking off the top of my head in the Congo is one that was racing in the Newgate colours, the, the partnership colours of China Horse Club and Newgate. So that is a really good example of um, obviously militarised in the recent months. We're going to see him be one of those sort of homegrown stallions. It's been pretty remarkable since 2015. I mean, there's been some really great success, hasn't yeah. there? Um, we're exceptionally fortunate um, to have been involved with the horses that we have. Like that first that first yearling crop we bought at Easter with China, we bought Russian Revolution. Um, and now he's Amazing. a champion. <laughs> yeah, he's a champion sire and multiple group one winner. So it, it got off to a really great start and we've been able to maintain it, um, which is a huge credit to the buying team and Henry, um, as well as all the trainers that we use. Like it's a huge team effort. And as you said, we've got in the Congo standing with us, Cosmic Force. And militarized coming up um, and we've had a great two-year-old season but the goal for us is obviously to hopefully to, to produce those group one winning colts and then put them into our stallion barn. It's pretty remarkable as well to when we consider you know five two-year-old group one races that exist on the calendar anywhere in Australia you know for, from the autumn basically from February until right now um, to have you know one or two or three that's good enough is pretty exceptional in itself but i've just looked at the stats and fee and i know because we've been seeing a lot of these colors newgate has had seven individual runners across all of those five group one races for two-year-olds being the blue diamond golden slipper the sires up in sydney the champagne and now this saturday the jj atkins i mean is the team pinching themselves or is this just part of the plan you know this is just the hard work paying off um <laughs> 
it's a little bit of both, honestly. Like it's a lot of hard work that's coming to fruition, but we're we're so fortunate because as you as you guys know, everything has to go right on the day, um, especially with babies and to get the draw right, the rides right, the whole thing. Um, so we definitely are very very fortunate um, and have experienced all the highs and the lows. So it's great to savor the highs because we know how low. <laughs> you can be but I mean it, we've had a remarkable two-year-old season we've won or placed in every group one two-year-old race so far so hopefully wow. come come Saturday we'll be able to add another placing or maybe a win but it's a lot of hard work but definitely still pinching ourselves to be in this position. Leanna I'd love to understand the selection process for these horses because you obviously have had so much success in such a short amount of time who's on the selection team and and what is the process you know leading into the sales and at the sales um Henry Fields um is the main I guess I suppose driver behind the selection team in conjunction with our partners and China Horse Club and Michael Smith um, it's a lot of research and, and going through all of the cults um, at all the major sales, really. We try to see pretty much everything um, and then go f- through family history, obviously the vetting process. So it's pretty extensive. We do try to see a lot of the horses on farm pre-Magic Millions, just given the size of that catalog and then see them again at the sale. But it is a team effort really driven by Henry. And then um, when we get those lists kind of refined down by all of our partners as well. Wow. I, it's actually just amazing though, the success, right? Like it's so hard to buy, you know, one good cult, you know, in your career and for you guys to have produced so many, there's obviously the, the things you're selecting for are, are obviously pretty spot on. Yeah. We've, uh, I mean, it's, as I said, I'm being really redundant, but a lot of hard work, but we've, we've been really fortunate as well. Um, that things have gone right at the right time for these horses. Um, like with a horse like Wild Ruler, even for example, winning you know a pre-Christmas two-year-old race, and then he had a bit of a break, and then came back much better as a three-year-old, and then cemented kind of his his future in our stallion barn. So we've we've really been fortunate with how things have gone. And again, redundant, but huge credit to the entire team, the trainers. You know, it's just a massive massive effort on everybody's part okay so this might be a really tricky question for you to answer but do you have one of this batch of two-year-olds that is your favorite I don't know that I have a favorite I've got there's just it's a really exceptional group um like just an exceptional group and they they were pretty they just stood out from day one as yearlings as well um but I guess I'm really partial like a soft hearted favorite I guess would be Don Corleone I really really Uh, like that horse um but (laughs) but I don't really have a favorite that being said but he has a little soft soft little little space of my heart I suppose so why why is that why him I don't know I think just his entire attitude and just being around him from a young horse and knowing his potential and like I don't know I just just have a little soft spot for him. drawn to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Good. So am I. They're all good, though. You're right. They're all, they're all very yeah, no, good. It's, it is. <laughs> like, it were, it's, yeah, it's really hard to pick a favorite because it actually is just a an exceptional group. So yeah. We're, we're, yeah, fortunate to have that. Doesn't always happen. <laughs> sure is. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Liana, for being a part of our podcast and telling us a little bit more about what these horses represent when we see them. And most importantly, good luck in the JJ Atkins. Hopefully we see the red with the yellow stars crossing the line in first position. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Greatly appreciate it. It was good to chat. So good to be able to have Leanna join us for a quick chat about the Newgate China Horse Club partnership because you're right, Grace, we're seeing these horses everywhere, especially in the group ones for the two-year-olds this year. They've had so much success. I'm a little bit um, sad she didn't give us any of their tips when it comes to selecting these horses because they seem to have the formula down packed. Imagine being a fly on the wall when they're discussing the horses they're going to buy. I mean, Mm. you need to have bulk coin, but (laughs) even just to listen to their lessons and trying to, you know, replicate that, they are just what their model and the people that they have got in place, you know, executing the roles are just completely nailing it. So they are doing such an amazing job and we wish them all the best on Saturday. Yep, and now let's get stuck into the form of this race. As you said, Grace, it's uh, not quite as murky as, well, I didn't find this one as murky as the Stradbroke, Grace, but it is hard with two-year-olds. How do you see the race shaping out? Like, what, what would be the speed map for this race, do you think? It's just so hard to tell, to be honest, because there are so many horses here that are lightly raced. I think we've got a couple of um, key noted leaders in it. Azula, horse number 14, probably goes forward with Tim Clark in the saddle from barrier 11. Um, you know, there's probably a couple there that are drawn low that'll be wanting to hold a spot. I don't think they're going to go overly hard. It should just be an evenly run race to give every horse their chance. But the thing that just confuses me, Fee, is... This late into the season, um, you know, there are horses coming from left, right and centre to to race in this JJ Atkins. Mm -hmm. There's so many different form lines and I feel as though, um, you know, even a horse like Congregation, Chris Waller trains for Coolmore and I'm talking talking Irish Coolmore, not Australian Coolmore. So in Mm. the colours that we would see, you know, winning at the Curra or Royal Ascot trained by Aidan O'Brien. And this Colt congregation is a full brother to the Golden Slipper winner, Esther Jubb. He's a two-year-old Colt and he's only had two starts for two wins. He's on the seven-day back up here. If he wins this, you know, you can write how much he's worth as a stallion. He's just got the most beautiful stallions pedigree. So... How good is he? We don't know. It's just the trickiest race, I reckon, to try and work out. You know, when you're looking towards a golden slipper, it's more set in stone. You've been able to really assess who's there to, to show up and stand up. But when it's deep into the into the carnival, it's just a lot trickier, in my perspective anyway, to try and find the winner. Yeah, I think congregation's definitely one we need to watch out for. And Chris Waller had the very successful seven-day backer with two-year-old Shinzo going into the Golden Slipper. So he knows how to get horses recovered and set up for the seven-day backup. And yeah, he's definitely one that I was liking doing my form. Let's talk about number one, Safrado. So he's a last start winner in a group two over 1,400 metres. Grace, watching the replay, I wasn't, you know, blown away by that performance. Um, is that fair? Am I 
on the right track here. Like I, I'm just not convinced that that performance to win that race is going to be enough on Saturday. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, Fee? Because he won the main lead-up race into this, mm. the size produce at Group 2 level. So plenty of horses that he faced there, he lines up against here. But it's interesting to hear you say that you weren't necessarily like taken by that run of a lot by that race because when I look at it on the clock it didn't particularly rate very well like the overall time wasn't that flash and the way that you can go and check that is by going onto a website like Racing Australia going to the results page and actually looking and comparing the overall time of this race over 1400 meters to other 1400 meter races run on the day that's a good indicator of knowing a strength of a race on the clock and this one wasn't particularly strong there are horses that come from different form lines that i think have got more improvement to come into now this race um, and show us their best one horse that i will highlight that comes through that same lead-up race behind sofrido is solidify he had no luck and he was a five dollar fifty favorite i believe for that race he comes over from Mm. new zealand so last start was his first ever australian run Um, And he got really badly hampered in the straight, sort of lost his position entirely, but still wasn't too bad again to the line. He might be one that, again, we haven't quite seen the best of him. He might improve drastically. He'd be the one I'd want to take out of that race. Wow, Grace. Solidify at $19. So I'm I'm assuming that the the thinking here is that, like, he he didn't get his chance Mm -hmm. and the sires didn't get the chance to really let down. So we're expecting like him to come out firing the Saturday. Is that right? I think so, yeah. I mm-hmm. think that the team would have expected him to, uh, if he was given the opportunity, go close that Saturday. He wasn't given that opportunity, so we're going to see the real solidify this Saturday if he gets the luck in running. And Barrier 4 should have a soft run if he gets the gaps. I think at $19, he's a pretty good each-way play in the race. Mm, definitely. So the one that really caught my attention watching the replays was number six, Tan Hauser, one of the Newgate China Horse Club Colts. So I looked at the clock, Grace, you'd be proud of me. I, I was looking at times. And Excellent. in his last start where he won, he ran the fastest last 600 metre split of the day over 1400 metres as a two-year-old. And I thought that was quite impressive. If you go back and watch the race, he still looks a bit green and a bit like wobbly, but um, he certainly has a turn of foot, which really impressed me. The other thing that I found really interesting about his turn of foot and his speed is that he's by Dundeal. So, I mean, I know Dundeal's had a few two-year-old winners now, but it's certainly not like what I would consider as forte. Like I would think, you know, he was a, a triple crown winner as, as a three-year-old. That's sort of more where I would see the Dundeals racing and racing well, sort of three three years and up. So to see a two-year-old colt by Dundeal have this electric turn of foot, uh, it really sort of got me into a bit of a fluster, I guess. I was like, what's going on here? So <laughs> he's the one um, that I am probably most leaning towards. He is the favourite at the moment at $5. So like he's still got a good price about him, even as a favourite. What did you think of him, Grace? Am I like onto something here? What do you think? Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm with you, V. Team Tannhauser for sure. It's just the way in which he is able to get back um, and hit the line so strongly. His last two starts, and he's only had four starts, they've been very good. Like he was out to a mile uh, in the Fernhill at Randwick on a heavy eight, 
no knock on his performance mm. there, finished fourth, not beaten far, was fast finishing. Then he has a freshen reset to then target this race, the JJ Atkins at Group 1 level, and he did his tick over run uh, at Randwick and won so impressively and really good time on the clock, as you say. I just think that um, he's probably the one that's got the right – he's got the right form but he's also the one that's got the right path. Now, hitting his grand final hasn't been tested in any other group ones, hasn't had any other mm. gut busters. You know, he's now fifth up into a group one mile. Barry Six, best jockey, James McDonald. There's a lot to like about him. And, you know, we have just spoken to Leanna about the success that this partnership is having with the Colts that they're buying, allocating to trainers, trainers getting them prepped up and winning these big stallion-making races. I have a feeling that this horse might be the next one to add to the list with Militarise this season as Group 1 winning Colts. Yeah, they've had an amazing season and wouldn't that be a way to top it off with the two-year-olds? So I'm with Tannhauser. I'm going to go for a straight win at $5 um, and see... See if you can do the job. Well, Grace, our first form preview for the last wee while. It was uh, really fun to get stuck into the form again. Uh, and obviously this weekend at Eagle Farm is going to be an amazing day of racing. Yeah, I wish I was going back up there, but uh, I'll be at rainy Sandown on Saturday. <laughs> but I'll be watching all of the fun and the exceptional racing from the sunny Brisbane track and then Fee we've only got one more group one until the end of the season and that's for the Phillies and the Mares and the Tats Tiara uh, in a fortnight and over 1400 metres and that's it we basically um, throttle down over the winter months until August 1st which is the start of the new racing season and before we know it we'll be starting to preview group one racing in the spring it'll come around so quickly yeah, gosh, I can't believe everything's winding down already. It's just this year is going so fast. So uh, we will be back next week and we'll look forward to chatting to you guys then. Uh, as always, please make sure you are following or subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen. This helps other people with an interest in horse racing find us. Uh, while you're there, leave us a review. We would love to read your reviews. And uh, as we've mentioned a couple of times in the show, you can find a link to subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes. So thank you for tuning in, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed the preview on the Stradbroke and the JJ Atkins. And of course, our little chat with Liana Packer. And we will catch you again next week.